All right, what's going on, guys? Before we get started, I want to first call out our main sponsor for this episode, and that is PatchJunkieShop.com. Are you a member of the military? Are you a fan of uniquely made items? Hell, do you just like to collect stuff? Well, let's talk about a company out of Delaware called Patch Junkie. Patch Junkie is an Etsy shop that sells uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military-style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell patch-related stuff like patch mats and patch bags to stick your patches to. So if you go onto their website, enter the promo code SALUMIST for 10% off of your order. Once again, that is S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T and instantly get 10% off. So please check them out. Go to www.patchjunkieshop.com. Some cool stuff about these guys. Uh, mainly the owner, Jay, is first thing, he's fucking awesome. Second, they are all about high quality items. And that's really the stuff that we're all about. They care about their product just as much as we care about the products that we give out to you guys. And, and by products, I mean episodes. So you know what I mean? Anyway, Patch Junkie, they care about their supporters and they show that by hand packing every single one of their orders. And they thank everyone that orders from them. That's it's those little things that I actually really appreciate about businesses. So I'm really glad that that's something that they do. Um, they care about the world and their environment. So by doing that, they actually you know, work really hard to reduce their waste and they do their part to prevent deforestation. They offset their carbon footprint during the shipping process. And they really try to support conservation efforts in their community and abroad. So guys, these people are about that life. I'm really just appreciative to be associated with a, a business owner that actually cares about the community and the environment. And that's all that you can ask for sometimes. So go to www.patchjunkieshop.com and enter the codes SALUMIST. I'm stupid. I can't talk to get 10% off your order. So I think that one of the most important yet most dangerous survival mechanisms that we have for ourselves is the amount of lies that we tell to ourselves to get by. This episode is called When Six Feet Isn't Deep Enough. And the the reason for that title is it's pretty self-explanatory. We, we do a lot of work to try and bury certain types of truths and certain types of lies that happen in our lives. So whether or not something happened to you before, this episode is all about documenting that process. And hopefully by the end of it, maybe you have an idea of how to get past it. Obviously, it's going to take more than listening to a simple podcast to get there. But again, the hope is to be able to get us to some sort of point of healing. So hope you guys are able to enjoy this one. And if you have any questions or have any feedback, don't hesitate to reach out. <sighs> All right. Here we are. Another episode of the Salimus podcast. Um, it is actually just me today. Mark and Chris both had some shit come up at work. It is like the perfect shit storm. And so here I am. Thankfully, I actually wanted to get an opportunity to create some solo content because that's just something I like doing. I think that it's a nice change up from uh, our normal episodes that we have. And it allows me to talk about different subjects that have kind of been on my mind for a bit. And so here I am. Um, today was all right. Nothing too crazy. I mean, I spent a lot of time on the road, but um, it was still productive. I finally got my fish taco fix, so I was able to get some of that. But then when I got home, 
uh, my wife made some uh, kick-ass lasagna and some uh, and like that. And uh, so I feel like poop because I've had all the carbs. Um, so uh, I start to get, I mean, I start feeling like a little gross and stuff. And so I was like, you know what? I know this is shitty. So I took some um, milk of magnesia and uh, your boy is going to have a night of a thousand waterfalls. Like literally, I'm going to be peeing out of my ass in like a couple hours. It's going to be pretty awesome. I'm probably going to lose like seven pounds. Might be slightly dehydrated, but I'm going to feel sassy. So pro tip, if you ever want to get a nice little cleanse, a little mickle magnesia, I do not recommend doing that often. It's it's probably terribly unhealthy. And I'm sure someone's like, oh my God, why are you telling people that? But hey, it's my podcast. Do it on yours. Um, so today I wanted to actually talk about why we, why we bury truths and a couple different things really sparked that thought. Um, and I'll sort of weave it all in into the episode, but I think that when we bury truths, ultimately they always come back to, to haunt us some, somehow or some way. I think that we bury these truths or promote lies and stuff truthfully, because I think the world responds positively to them. Like, I think that if we were to live in this world and be exactly how we're feeling and let people know exactly what was going on in our heads or in our minds or whatever you want to call it. Like imagine how the world would be. I think a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. You know, we're all doing our thing, but I really think ideas like that just look good on paper. Like, like communism looks good on paper. You know what I mean? So I think one, one example of this, of where, I think that it could work, but it probably doesn't is like the Joker. So if you've ever seen that movie, there's, there's like a part in there, like the main character, Joaquin Phoenix's character, awesome movie, by the way, he carries a card on him and that card actually talks about his mental illness. And, um, it's actually pretty interesting because it's like, it's, it's almost like a, um, it saves you from weird conversations or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, I think that if something like that was out there for us, it'd be pretty interesting. But again, looks good on paper, just like communism. Anyway, um, I think that we bury our truths in in many different ways. And so in today's episode, I really wanted to sort of break down how that kind of stuff happens. I think the first thing that we do is that we cherry pick our memories. Um, I can sit there and think on stuff in, in my past and it's like, am I really did it really happen that way? Or am I really just cherry picking some of the events and stuff like that? Um, I think that when you cherry pick your memories, you only talk or think about the things that only support your point of view. And um, I think that it takes a, a shit ton more convincing that you were in the wrong or that you had more responsibility for something not working out than you might think. Um, and I think that's truthfully why a lot of us cherry pick memories. Um, I see this happen all the time in 
relationships or when people quit jobs and stuff like that. The funny story, like just the other day, a, a former employee actually just wrote something, just blasting the company. And this shit happens all the time, you know, but it was like a lot of the, the people that were like confirming their thoughts, there were also former employees and stuff like that. And what it seemed like was just a bunch of people like cherry picking memories and cherry picking hurts and problems and stuff. And it just made it really easy for them to like, uh, com- like connect with each other. It was really, really weird. It was a fun experiment to honestly look at. And so I wanted to sort of break down how that kind of happens. I think that it starts off with like denial of certain events. And if you think back in your past of some shit that went wrong, especially if it's something that's gone wrong or some kind of trauma that you've talked about to other people, I think that for many of us, we do deny certain events. And then I think it it takes another shape, if you will, because after we deny an, an event, we start to deny the denial. And when you start to deny the denial, it's almost like you're further reinforcing that everything happened the exact way that you thought of it. And so if you go and talk to a girl or, or you're a girl and you go and talk to a guy and you're like, oh, what happened? And if you ask a dumbass question of what happened in your previous relationships or something, of course, you're going to get an answer that's going to just fit a certain narrative. But I do think that a lot of us do that when we're like talking about like messed up things that happen. And it's not to discount anyone's memories and stuff like that, because I, I also do think that you remember like the most impactful things. But for some of us, I think that we do deny certain events and then we deny the fact that we're actually denying those other things, if that makes sense. So um, I think though that over time you sort of examine what's going on in the world around you and you sort of build like a pretense. And when you do that, you sort of it's like you you formulate a, a real and like a real and working truth that many people can live with honestly forever. But there are some people who can't live with that. And and I've seen it before. I've seen people that have gone their entire lives with this with this series of cherry picked memories and cherry picked ideas. And when it all comes back, you know, they thought that they could bury it deep and deep enough it comes back and it, it hurts them really, really bad. And you start to wonder like, why do we do this? You know? And, and I think that it falls on the, the concept that history is written by the winners. And so I don't think that any of us want to feel like we've lost out in life or something like that. So I think we do the best or we put our best effort towards creating wins and, and those wins can happen with our thoughts. So if you kind of omit and deny certain things that happen that make you look bad or make you look responsible, and then you deny the fact that you're even denying that, then what you've created is a truth that is backed by shitloads of defense and shitloads of just validations and, and other stuff like that to make it even harder to really uncover what's actually going down. Um, I think that your, your brain is, it's in constant battle with itself and it will 100% lie 
to itself. And it's not because like your brain knows it's lying because your brain is just a body part. I think that your brain lies because our brains survive on good feeling chemical responses. And I think that pain, obviously pain is not a good chemical response. And so it's going to do everything possible to keep all that stuff out. So of course you'll try and formulate stuff. Of course you'll go through all the different levels of denial and all that kind of stuff. Um, and hell, I, I feel like I've probably done that in many cases. I mean, I, I really need to sit down and put myself through the grinder and kind of think of the the different things, but I don't want to just start spouting them off in the name of making content for you guys. I just think that that's something that a lot of us do. Um, there was one thing that I was looking at. It was like, uh, it was like, I think it's called like the school of life or something. And, and he talks about like the different ways that we, that we bury truths about different things. So he was saying that like we bury truths in our friendships, our jobs, our health and relationships, you know, obviously we, we bury truths in our friendships because I think that we have those types of friends that like, we know they're not the right people that we need to be hanging out with, or we know that they're, you know, they might be doing the wrong things, but we still continuously bury these truths so that we don't have to endure the pain of losing a friend or anything like that. I think that I certainly have people in my life that it's like, man, I know I'm writing on the old school memory of shit that we did like way back in the day. And it's like, oh man, we're still cool. Cause we did some wild shit in high school or something like that. I think that there's a lot of us out there that are doing that. And, uh, we are constantly bearing truth. And those truths are like, man, this person's a loser or this person might need help or, this person really doesn't like me that much. It's tons of stuff down there that we actually do bury. I think that this is a big one. Like in our jobs, I think we certainly bury truths and I hate it when on the days where like, I'm not feeling good or not feeling confident about the work that I do or the fact that I, I just have these random moments where it's like, man, this isn't doing shit. I'm not like making a big impact on the the world or on my community or something like that. And I just, I go through phases like that. But I think that we do bury truths about our work by filling it with more work or by filling it with this idea that we have so much shit to do. Like if someone, when was the last time someone asked you like, how did work go? And you told the absolute truth. You're like, I didn't do a goddamn thing today. I took a shit for like 45 minutes and I played on my phone and then I do this. Now, I, I really do like work. I, I like working just like, fuck, I'm, unprodu I'm unproductive today. Like, and I guess everyone goes through it. But I think that in this day and age and, this, and in our society, like a lot of us are unfortunately defined by what we do for a living. And Chris has talked about it in multiple episodes. Like one of the worst things to ask someone is what do you do for a living? And it's, and it's one of the worst things. And it's one of the first things that we ask people. And the unfortunate thing, the unfortunate reason for why we do that is because we try to gauge how we're going to talk to another person. We try to gauge how our language is with that person based on what they do. 
And so sometimes I feel bad saying like, oh, I do this or whatever. And I feel like I have to like explain it or something like that. It's just kind of weird. But I do think that we we bury truths about our jobs. I think that there's some people that that are just grossly unhappy with their work, like they're not fulfilled, you know, and when they come home and talk about work to their kids or to their significant other or something like that, they're usually just giving them a big line. And truthfully, what they want to go do is something that is probably so far off the wall or so uncharacteristic of what they would be, what is perceived as normal for them, that it keeps many of us like in check. It keeps many of us staying at the same place and, you know, masking it behind all the benefits are great. You know, it's like, what good are benefits if you're not really using now double-edged sword there when you need them, it's nice to have, but it's like, are you willing to keep yourself in a place where you are not fulfilled and you're not happy about yourself? And you, you know, you dread waking up in the morning to go to work because you get a couple of good discounts and benefits and stuff. I think that that was something that was really affecting me when, um, in my, at my first big boy job, like it was the allure of working there and being in the community. And I made tons of good friends and good connections and stuff like that. But like, there got to be a point where it's like, I don't want to do this forever. And there's so many people out there that are like, I can do this for the rest of my life. And I was like, oh my God, that's scary. I cannot be that way. And for like two years, I was lying to myself thinking that this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And then eventually it took getting this like harsh reality, this harsh realization that, man, you aren't really doing that much. And if you're about that life and you think that you're doing hard work, go and step out into the private sector, go and step out on this other spot and really put yourself through it. And that's what I did. And, uh, it's, it's hard to even look back anymore. I don't know if I could ever go back to anything like that. I, I do like, I do like the, uh, the journey that I'm on. I think that we lie about our health. Oh man. I think we lie about our health, especially our mental health. Um, you know, the two most dangerous words I think that you can use for someone are I'm fine. You know, like if you just sit with yourself and, and I say with yourself, not in yourself, but if you sit with yourself and say, I'm fine, look at a mirror and say, I'm fine. Just, and, and think of how many, how many different definitions that has, you know, think of how the, just your tone can change the entire meaning of I'm fine. Think of the facial expressions that you use when you say I'm fine. You know, they say that 97% of communication is nonverbal. If you look at someone that says, I'm fine, and they, their face says something different, there's a completely different story past that. But for some reason, we just want to bury those truths because it does, it's like, it's, it's less work to try and dig and find out what's going on. It's less work and less painful, obviously, to to talk to someone and find out that, man, they're really struggling or they're hurting or something like that. Um, and it's, and that's where it's, it's tough because if, especially if someone does that to you and tells you like, man, there's, you know, I'm going through some shit, man, most of us aren't prepared to handle any of that. And, uh, most of us probably don't respond well to it. We just, we just don't. And you can't fault anyone for it. It's just how we are. We're, we are conditioned for, 
for just positive feelings. We're conditioned for just all the everything going right. We aren't conditioned for failure and suffering and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how we get there. I just know that we're not we're not ready for it when that shit happens. Um, our physical health, I think that a lot of us bury truths about that. I can sit there and talk about like, you know, how strong I am or something like that. And I can go and get, I just recently had a, a health test for my life insurance. They got to do blood work. And thankfully everything showed up. Okay. Cholesterol is fine. All my levels were in the, you know, the green or the good zone or something like that. But I still have poor health habits. And it's like, the hard part is I'll sit there and mask by mask these bad habits or these bad behaviors with going to the gym and throwing up a shitload of weight or going and doing some other thing out there. And it's like, you're really not as great off as you, as you say, it's, it's hard to put yourself into check and, and humble yourself. That's one of the things that I do really appreciate about the gym is that it'll just like Henry Rollins quote says, it'll, it'll feed you the real deal. Um, you know, it says the the biggest quote is friends come and go, but 200 pounds is still 200 pounds. And uh, that's one of my things why I love it so much. But yeah, of course I've got, I've got shitty habits, but I, that is the one part about me that I'm trying to work on. That is something that's just going to be going for the rest of my life. I've just always been a big guy, get older. I'm not going to have the capacity to do the stuff that I do now. And so I'm starting to hit this point where it's like, okay, there's some harsh truths that I've got to begin to uncover and unpack. And, um, it's, it's going to be for the better, but I just got to be prepared for it. I think the next thing is our relationships. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, you know, just like I was saying, we, um, and these are just not just like romantic relationships. These are just our relationships to other people in the world. Um, we want, at the end of the day, we all just want to look normal. Like we perceive everyone else to be. And, um, I think it's why many of us feel this like sick sense of, it's almost like a sick sense of relief when someone else is going through some shit. So it's like, it makes us feel one of two ways. It makes us feel like we're either like, we finally, found someone who's just like us. And so that makes them an equal, or we found someone who's doing worse than us, like a lesser than, if you will, interprets it. And, and truthfully, that's a good place for the brain to be. It's top dog, either number one or number one, a, um, it doesn't like being two, three, four, five, six, or something like that. And you see it whenever you have someone that's like, legit doing some, some cool shit. And there you are not really doing much. And, and it sucks because those people out there doing their thing, doing, finding their fucking thing, those people who have found that or who are on some kind of a journey or who are actually doing great stuff like them doing that is constantly uncovering a harsh truth or, you know, or a buried truth that you are. And, uh, sometimes that sucks to look at. And I think that because of that, many of us begin, you know, we become envious or jealous or we stop talking to them or, you know, we, we make side comments. And then when something bad happens to them, then we show up. It's kind of fucked up, but that stuff happens a lot. I think that, uh, um, another way, like in, 
in, in relationships, just romantic ones. I think that, and I've seen it with people like they get into like addictions and stuff. Like it might be drinking or drugs or some people like watch a shitload of porn. And, and I think that there are many of us who are into that, not because we think that they're inherently good. Though I've tried some awesome beers and like, there's some just beautiful titties on some porn sites and stuff like that from like a long time ago but like you see all sorts of crazy shit but like all that stuff is there but i think that for many of us to acknowledge like some of the problems in our relationships maybe there's a lack of physical interaction or physical touch or something like that or acknowledgement or encouragement or communication and i think that those conversations are super super hard to have you know, I remember when I was younger and I played a lot of uh, World of Warcraft and I would jump on there and some of my friends were married and they would be on this game for hours and we'd be sitting there talking and stuff and they'll just say like they don't want to go and talk to their spouse about whatever issues going on. So they'll sit there and just continuously play and continuously keep that stuff hidden and they don't want to have those kind of conversations um, one personal story. I don't know if any of you guys have ever done the, um, can't remember what it's called. I don't want to call it like a love calculator or some kind of like questionnaire that, that me and my wife filled out. And, um, it was, it was really interesting. Like it asked like tough questions on there, like questions that'll make you squirm, man. And going in there and circling one to five or, you know, adding comments in there and, you know, then you have to exchange it with, I mean, it's asking stuff like how much sex is good for you to have, or what do you think is, you know, a good amount for you? And like, just filling out all that information is just, it'll really tell you the, I don't want to say, I guess the health of your relationship. Um, so my high test ass, I was like, uh, this number doesn't go past seven. So, uh, how, how do I, how do I quantify this? <laughs> but it's, it's truthfully, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard discussion to have. And I think that it does fall in place with this whole bearing of truths. Um, I think that, you know, we go into another way that people do this. Oh man, this, this part sucks. And I actually did an episode on this is where we have that toxic positivity. Um, and we take on such a super happy, you know, happy go lucky mindset that we don't make allowances for sadness and doubt and guilt. And I think that some of those people, like if you, you'll notice them, if you go out and, and you ask a simple question out, if you're out in the grocery store, you bump carts, you're both getting Cheerios and shit. And you're like, Oh man, how are you doing? Then they spent fucking 89 minutes just telling you about how hashtag blessed they are. You know what I mean? And it, sometimes it's true. Sometimes they really are hashtag blessed. But other times they might be hashtag fucked up and sad and hurt and all sorts of stuff. And we do get so, so, so positive that we don't make room for that kind of stuff. And it's hard. You don't want to go in into a Kroger while you're buying Cheerios and you run into each other's carts, you don't want to talk about how your life sucks and, you know, how you don't feel fulfilled. Um, it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. I'm glad when people are open enough to have them with me, but shit, it gets exhausting, you know, 
but that's how it's supposed to be. And that's that's sort of the path that we take towards some kind of I don't know healing or reconciliation or something like that. You know, it's definitely tough. I think that one other way is that you get super annoyed by everything. And dude, I've been here before, man. It sucks so bad. Where like I'll be sitting there and everything will annoy the piss out of me. Like I'll come, I'll walk into the house and I'll see that something isn't right or something isn't done. And I just get mad about it. And I, and the worst thing is I don't say anything. I just internalize it all. And I just walk around pissed off. I don't say much. Like it, it's, it's not a good place to be. And I know that there's a lot of us out there that are like that. You know, I, I saw that when I was younger and, you know, if we didn't clean the house or something, mom would, <laughs> mom or dad would come in and they just wouldn't say anything. They'd be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so freaking angry with you guys. Or they might say something, especially when, as we got older, when it was just pretty much no excuse to be, you know, to, for us to live like pieces of shit. But yeah, there was, there's become a certain point, especially with a loved one where you hold all that stuff back. But then there's this other part of you that's saying like, I'm not supposed to rage out on this person because I'm supposed to love them. I'm supposed to protect them. I'm supposed to be all these other things. But I think, and this actually goes back to one of our episodes. If you love someone, if you love something, you have to be critical of it. You have to call people out and you have to say like, Hey, this doesn't feel good. I don't like that. This has happened. And that's even something that I'm working on. Um, because I don't, I don't want to, you know, be like a, piece shit husband or piece shit dad or something like that. But it's, it's definitely something that I do struggle with and I'm trying to work on it, but just going to take time. I think that talking about it right here is certainly going to help because uh, now I've let it out there. I've got to, you know, walk the talk or whatever, or talk the, I don't know how they say it, but um, I think, and this, this last one, man, is uh, I noticed it. Big time in the Super Bowl. There's a shitload of condemnation, man. And I think that that stuff happens whenever there is something that we're interested in or something that we think about and our way to sort of hide the fact that we're thinking about it, especially if it's something that might be like out of the norm or considered deviant in our circles. And the, a good example of it, again, was the Super Bowl halftime show. There's so many, like, men and women that were super critical of Shakira and of J-Lo. Dude, these, these people are legends in the game. And they're older than, than me. And they look fantastic. But people were calling them just all kinds of stuff, saying it was not good. But you know that if any of these people had a body like J-Lo, had a body like Shakira you know, they would absolutely be flaunting that. And it's not like, <clears throat> and I say flaunting, like I don't want to come off like negative or something. I just think if you're confident with yourself, you should, you should wear it. You should go out there and do it. Um, and that's exactly what they did. You know, this, and the, you don't see them. And this is why I think that it's confirmed is that you don't see them acting this way with like Michael Phelps and like the swim teams when they're in these like super low cut speedos and stuff like that you know, but they're going on this way. It's like, I get it. You want to dress like that. You want to have that body, do the work to get there. Easy enough. Give me one second. This night of a thousand waterfalls about to start up. I got to pause. Oh my God. And we're back. My 
goodness. All right. Feeling a lot better. Um, it's the first of many of those. But uh, anyway, uh, where was I? So, yeah, the condemnation, I think it's a it's a big time thing that happens for us. Like, I'm trying to think of any other moments where people do this kind of stuff. Okay, I've seen it. So you're at, you know, a restaurant or something and you see someone point out uh, a server and they talk about how they look or something like that in a disparaging way. Typically, it's because they're doing that to to bury a truth that they might be unhappy about ourselves. I think that a lot of comparison, a lot of condemnation in general is deeply rooted in insecurity. Um, and that's something that a lot of us don't like to tackle. I'm certainly insecure about of a lot of shit um, with myself. And I think that there's tons of people out there. It's just a matter of admitting it and somehow making peace with it and then finding a way to beat it. It definitely gets a lot of us and it, it does get us all into trouble. I think that with these, with these buried truths, it reminds me of a, of an old fallout boy song a long time ago. And they say that the best part of believe is the lie. And they say that just because like, you know, within the word believe is the word L I E. And I think that, that then triggered me thinking about like negative space art, if you guys have ever seen anything like that. So you probably have. So negative space art, I'm just going to read the definition. It's uh, an art. It's the space around and between the subject of an image. Negative space may, uh, may be most evident when the space around a subject, not the subject itself, forms an interesting or artistically relevant shape and such space occasionally is used uh, to artistic effect as the real subject of an image. So if you think of like those one things in it, you know, it looks like a lamp, but it's actually like two ladies kissing or you see some something that's like a tree or something like that, but it's really like a skull or like a sad face or something. Or there's that one where it looks like uh, uh, a lady like a lady's face. And if you look at it differently, it looks like someone like really sad or something like that. I think that if we start to look at the world or we start to look at other people with a negative space kind of lens, it might make it a little bit, or even just look at ourselves with a negative space type of lens. I think it's going to make it a little bit easier to spot some of the, the real issues that are going on with us. And you do see that when I say like the best part of believe is the lie, you say, you see like the lie is what's in the middle and everything else is kind of what's making it look pretty and all that kind of stuff and bringing, not really bringing light to it, but one could easily see that external stuff. It takes way less effort to see that external stuff and really dive in and see, hey, what is really going on? What is this negative space within the person? I don't know if any of that makes sense, but if you were to just Google negative space art, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and I think I would imagine that some like psychiatrists and stuff use that kind of work. And I'm assuming that maybe this is what it is, but I could be wrong when they kind of take those blotches and, you know, it's one thing, but it could be perceived as another thing. And they use that to tell you you're fucked up or whatever. 
but I don't know. I, I just, I hope that this discussion did give a little bit of context as to what's going on in my head. I do think that one of the big keys for to avoid bearing truths is to work towards labeling your emotions, you know, calling out when you're feeling bad or when you're feeling sad or when you're feeling insecure or when something's happened. I think another thing is really going and talking to someone. I'll sit there and promote the use of therapists and stuff all day, man. Like it's such a good thing to be able to do to go and talk to someone. And I know a lot of people don't have the what I have and and my way to be able to get things out is just to use this podcast as a medium of truthfully therapy to be able to just talk about whatever. Um, I think that I'm able to help myself by helping others and making content like this. So that's kind of where I stand on it. But hopefully some of you guys have some, uh, some feedback on it. Um, It's been pretty interesting. You know, going to wrap this all up, um, I just want to thank everyone for listening, for taking the time to bear with us, man. We had such a really good recording on Sunday and it just sucked that it didn't work out. And, you know, it was it was truthfully a a learning experience for me because I I would I got so comfortable with the recording process and the fact that I can just make everything just automatic and it would just work fine, at least for my bitch ass standards. And I got very, very comfortable. I just assumed that every recording is going to be a good one. And uh, it, it came to bite me in the ass. Um, and I stressed about this for like two days, man, unreasonably stressed about it for two days. Uh, and, and truthfully, it was like, it made me start to wonder, like, what am I doing this for? And, and I think that when I really look at it, or, or rather, who am I doing this for? And I think that when I look at it, And the fact that it made me so angry, it it was a weird moment because I was like, was that episode made for other people or was that made for me? Now, I've always said that I've had the most satisfaction when I've made episodes that I feel that are truly going to benefit me. And it's it's just weird because it's like, of course, something that I thought, man, this is going to benefit so many people so much that it was the episode that didn't work. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but I felt like, um, maybe that that needed to happen to me. Um, it also was a good lesson because, you know, in our group chat with myself and Mark, you know, one of the things that even Mark said, he's like, we always, we can't, we're living check to check with our episodes because stuff like this could happen. And uh, so, you know, I was just saying like, man, I'm just, I feel bad asking you guys to sit down and record multiple episodes with me. And, and I think that's, that's something that we're going to do. It was really refreshing to, to get the support from them and just be like, yeah, we're, we're behind this. We can do this. Let's, let's get multiple episodes in there. And so I think that's going to be really good. And I think that by doing that, maybe it'll give us a little bit of time to, to relax on a Sunday or something and, and, you know, just have a little bit more fun. Uh, I, not at this point, this does not seem like a job to me. It just seems like a, an awesome passion. I'm just so happy that it, that it hasn't gotten to that point yet. And truthfully, I just don't see it getting there. I see myself getting better at this, being better at just talking on a microphone and just saying what I need to say without having to read something or feel like it has to be some kind of elaborate presentation 
one of the things I'm working on is not saying the word like so many times. Um, I also say, um, a lot. So I'm trying to be a lot better about that. I think that doing this has actually helped me develop a skill towards, uh, getting better, but it's just something I'll continuously work at. But I hope you guys found value in this episode. As always, please reach out and let us know if there's anything we can do. Hit us up on Instagram. That's at the Salumas podcast. You can go to our website. That's www.thesalumas.com. Uh, we've got merch on there. You could read a blog that I haven't written in a very long time. And I think it's truthfully because I've started doing more solo content. It kind of takes a place of writing. Um, so I might actually take that section down. Who knows? You can go on there and listen to our previous episodes or uh, on iTunes or on Spotify or on Google Play. I really want to make sure that we can get more subscribers that way. I'm not really good at the whole Instagram thing and just trying to get followers and stuff like that. Um, but I really want to get people subscribing and listening to the content and just reaching out and letting us know ways that we can improve or new topics that we can talk about. I really, really want to really want to get as many people as possible to tell their stories and to sit down with me and talk about how they found their thing or how they're finding their fucking thing. I mean, or how they're struggling with something. I just want to have a medium for us to talk and let go of stuff. So if you have a story that you want to tell, if you have something that you're passionate about, or if you know someone that has something that they're passionate about, please let me know. We are getting closer to Valentine's Day, and I'm still trying to find two people from a previous relationship that can sit there and, and have a talk with each other. Um, I've got a cool little format from it uh, for it. I've got, I just ordered some noise canceling, uh, earmuffs. And so the way I want to do is that one person's going to say something or they're going to talk and then, you know, we'll put them on one person then we'll put them on the other person. The other person's going to talk and then we'll have a series of questions and stuff that we'll talk together. I think that that would be a really good way to get out whatever people want to get out and just really have a nice, clean and objective uh, conversation on relationships. Uh, obviously it's going to be the time where everyone's being lovey dovey and stuff, but I think that there is another side of love. Um, and I think that one of the big sides of love is learning to love yourself. So if you have a story about how you fall in love with yourself for the first time, or maybe you've learned to do it again, I would love to be able to get, uh, some information from you and maybe we can create some content together. So thank you so much for your time and attention. And if there's anything we can do, just reach out. And on that, I am out.